The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Oh yeah! Yeah! Mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. The best. Let's go, of baby. Let's go. What is up, my friends? Thank you so much for joining us here on this Thursday. We're switching things up a little bit. Hope you're having a wonderful day out there. Uh, we have a very, very busy weekend this week, so we're coming at you a little early. A little Thursday action. Uh, welcome to your weekend preview here on MMA Fighting. My name is Sean O'Shaughney, and I'm joined by the crew. You know them. Let me bring them in. We have the man with the best tattoos in MMA media, but also maybe MMA period. I think he actually just got himself some new ink this, ink this week. He's my Arizona brother, Jose Youngs. What's up, boss? Got the, got the Lord of the Hot Take himself, Jed, Make a sh- Jed K. Mashu, joining us as well. Can't say his name. And hey guys, and then the, the legend, Damon Martin, get in on some preview show action as well. Uh, you gotta love it. And of course, you, you say best TV. tattoos. You don't even talk about. You don't even talk about my Infinity Gauntlet. Jeez, man. Hey man, I'll let Damon, you. I have no idea you had that. <laughs> uh, and then oh, of yes, course I the do. undefeated EK Slade, man in the boards from the producer's desk. Yeah, when you said best I, tattoos, I, I was going to cut away to Damon, but I, I realized we had a little rivalry on staff, so, jeez. <laughs> There's no rivalry. It's just facts. Look at that. I like that. Uh, and thank you to you all as well for joining us. We're going to field your questions, comments later on in the show. But let's get rolling, fellas, because we have a lot to get to. It's a doubleheader this weekend. UFC two, uh, sorry, UFC Vegas 51 and Bellator 277. You have Bilal Muhammad versus Vicente Luque on one side, two title fights. On the other side, AJ McKee, Patricio Pitbull, too. Corey Anderson, Vadim Nemkov with the million on the line there. So I'm going to throw it to you first, Jose. The question is simple. Set the table for us. 28 fights between these two events, two days in a row. What's the best card of the weekend? And what's the single best fight of the weekend for you? 
Uh, the answer is both Bellator 277, and it's not because the main event of the UFC Vegas 51 is, isn't great. Like, it's a rematch between Vicente Luque and Bilal Muhammad. That fight is awesome, especially for the welterweight division, which is obviously kind of in the headlines right now, especially at the top of the division. And these two, I think, have been kind of the dark horse for so long because they've been slowly and violently racking up wins. But the answer is Bellator 277. I mean, every, we all talked about it. Like, when AJ McKee fought Patricio Pitbull the first time, everyone kind of billed that as the biggest fight in Bellator history against the two best fighters in the history of that promotion. So now they're running it back. Uh, AJ McKee obviously has never fought anywhere but Bellator, and he's also never lost uh, against Patricio Pitbull, who I consider to be, if if you take into all the accolades and everything, he's either 1 or 1B with, with McKee uh, as the greatest fighters in the history of that promotion. And then Vadim Nemkov and Corey Anderson. I think Vadim, Vadim Nemkov... He could be the best light heavyweight in the world. We don't know because he's not fighting. There's no cross promotion. Obviously, you're perhaps a glove chair going to fight in, uh, in a couple months in Singapore. But Vadim Nemkov, Fedor's protege, is an horrifying human being who puts people who puts people through a meat grinder, and then they come out looking like uh, disgusting, bloody raw meat at the end of their fights. Corey Anderson has been talking all that greasiness. He's looked like a man possessed since leaving the UFC. So, uh, if we're talking storylines. High level martial arts interest in terms of the diehard fan base. I think all the I think Bellator 277 checks all the boxes. That's not to say the main event for UFC rules, just the rest of that card. Not great, if we're being honest. <laughs> what do you think, Jed? Because I'm at Jose, if I'm being honest, you're right on all accounts there. For me, it's Bellator. This is a Bellator week. It's rare that we get a week where Bellator is the dominant card over the UFC. But to me, it's the, it's happening right now. And AJ McKee and Pitbull is the fight. If you had to pick one fight among all these, Jed Damon, Jed, you first. Do you guys agree? Is this a Bellator week? Sure. Uh, I think everything Jose said is correct. Like, oh man, that was unenthusiastic. Because <laughs> everything Jose said is like fundamentally accurate, but also. Does a Bellator card happen if nobody knows it's happening? Because nobody knows this is happening or cares about it at all, which is great. Honestly, it actually makes sense. It's a very fitting follow-up to the biggest fight in Bellator promotional history, which was McKee Pitbull 1. They have let McKee Pitbull 2 just kind of happen in silence <laughs> because for whatever reason, like I don't know. This should be a card we're stoked about because honestly, there's a lot of other competitive, interesting fights going on on this Bellator card. I know Aaron Pico was originally going to fight, I think, Kennedy, right? Um, but Aaron Pico is still going to work. Uh, Tim Johnson, Linton Vassell are two of their top heavyweights. That mileage may vary there, I agree. But there are other things going on outside of the two fights, which I think Jose was nailed it. Like, these are the two best fights of the weekend. I think Nadim, uh, uh, Vadim Nemkov, Corey Anderson is my pick for the best fight this weekend. It's the most relevant fight. It is my number two versus number three light heavyweight going to battle. And I will be frank, if Vadim Nemkov wins convincingly, he's probably going to move to my number one light heavyweight in the world after this fight. These are all things that should matter. And I cannot find it in me to be that pumped because – it doesn't feel like Bellator's that pumped. Like it, it does not feel like they care about this even. And maybe I'm wrong. I'd, I'd love it if you guys, you know, could convince me otherwise. But it really feels like Bellator's just kind of in cruise control on life now, and that they aren't excited about bringing fights to us, even fights that are this big and important. And so, you know, this is a Bellator weekend for quality. But at the end of the day, like I think 
I certainly expect the UFC, as meager as it is, to still do more numbers than Bellator will. Damon, get in here, man. Do you agree with everything Jed's saying there? I mean, what's the sense you're getting heading into this? I mean, Bellator's got the better card, but, you know, I'm kind of with Jed on the whole, you know, if, if a Bellator card is happening and no one's around to watch it, did it actually happen? Because that's kind of the feeling with Bellator these days. Uh, but I will disagree on the best fight of the weekend. Listen, I love AJ McKee and Pitbull. I was super excited about the first fight. Ended in two minutes. Will the second one go that way? I doubt it, but I am still excited for it. And I actually am really looking forward to Corey Anderson, Vadim Nimkov, because, uh, you know, the argument is there. The winner of that fight is the number one light heavyweight in the world. You can't forget Corey Anderson trucked Glover Teixeira when he fought him in the UFC, and Vadim Nimkov has been on an incredible run. But I think the best fight of the weekend really is the main event in the UFC, and I say that because... You know, I've said it many times, Vicente Luque is the second most exciting fighter in the world right now behind only Justin Gaethje. I mean, that guy just does not put on boring fights. You know, he starched Bilal Muhammad in, you know, whatever it was, like a minute 20 the last time out. Bilal has looked really good lately, beating Wonderboy, beating Damian Maya. Uh, you know, high-profile wins right there. And, and listen, Vicente Luque's fighting. I don't care if he's fighting Randy Brown. He's fighting Nico Price. He's fighting Mike Perry. Anywhere he's at, I'm going to watch that fight. So in terms of guaranteed excitement, I want to watch Vicente Luque. So that's my favorite fight of the weekend. Plus, you know, it's number, it's you know, pretty two pretty high-ranked guys in the UFC, and even though neither one of them is going to get a title shot right now, you know, it does set up some potentially good fights in the future, depending on what happens and what shakes out over the next couple months. So I still like that one the best because Luque's fighting. I'm guaranteed a fun fight. It's fair. I mean, let's dive into it, Damon, because, I mean, Jose, you spoke a bit about it. I want to start with UFC this week because, you know, it is UFC, and ultimately we do know that more people will care about this fight than the Bellator fight, even if the Bellator card is better. Jose, I mean, you you know me. I've, I'm the biggest Vicente Luque guy out there. I've been driving this bandwagon for a long time now, uh, but I hesitate to call this more than a one-fight card. Like, is this generally what we're looking at on Saturday? Is this a one-fight card to you? Yeah, this, like, on paper, just looking at it, this reads more like a Dana White Contender Series fight card. Like, there are interesting names. Like, I think I think Miguel Baez is awesome, and he's had two back-to-back losses, but his fight against Santiago Ponzinibbio that he lost, I, that was one of my top five fights of last, last year. And then he just got caught. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Chaos Williams or someone. He just got caught at the end. So still an exciting young guy at one point. You know, he was kind of viewed as one of these top contenders. And then, like, Drakkar Close is on it. Jordan Levitt's always an interesting cat. Kevin Kroom. Like, these are all interesting guys and interesting names, but there's no real marquee fight between two people outside of the top five. Yeah, I know Miguel Baez and Andre Fialo is a great fight, but it's not like that would still kind of be a weak co-main event. This is every definition of a one-fight card. Uh, <laughs> and compared to Bellator, like that whole main card is interesting. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, we lost a couple of big fights here, right? Like Uriah Hall, Andre Muniz was supposed to be on this. That would have been nice to have. Uh, Zaleski Dos Santos fell off of this. That would have been fun with against Monino Laziz. So, you know, there was other things on there. But Damon, I mean, when you – I'm sorry, Jed, let's go to you first. I mean, this welterweight division right now is in a very curious place for the UFC, right? Like you have Leon Edwards and Kamar Usman. That seems to be a foregone conclusion at this point. You have Hamzat Shemaev coming off of last weekend. Colby Covington is what the UFC is pushing for. Who knows if that'll get booked, if Colby will accept it. But that seems to be, assumedly, a number one contender type of shot for Hamzat Shemaev. And then you have these guys, Bilal Muhammad, Vicente Luque. They're kind of the odd man out right now. What do you feel like is actually at stake 
on Saturday? I think a lot's at stake because I think they are have a really good chance to make this be a, a a one away from a title eliminator. Like, sure, the UFC and Dana White are pushing for Hamzat versus Colby. I would strongly discourage Colby from accepting that fight were I in his corner. I think Colby should make the move to middleweight and try and do that whole thing. I think he should, more importantly, should try and do everything he can to not fight Hamzat Shemaev, who would probably break his bones into little pieces and wear them about his neck like a necklace. So uh, I and I think Colby's not stupid and probably I, – I don't think he wants that fight. I could be all the way wrong. Also, I'm not certain that if he even beat Hamzat, he'd get a title fight. Like I think he could, certainly, but I, it seems like a lot of balls are in the air there. Whereas if I'm the winner of this Luke Muhammad fight, the only thing I do is I get on the mic and I just scream for Hamzat Chemaev. Like, okay, Hamzat Chemaev, I want you. Everybody's been ducking you, not me. You and me, title eliminator. Either man wins it. it I mean, either man. It's going to be Luke. Luke is going to win. Um, but Luke comes out, screams for Chemaev. That puts him into a, a title eliminator because Chemaev versus anybody other than Colby Covington is a guaranteed title eliminator. Chemaev versus Covington is at least a one-way one. And I think Chemaev would take the fight. So I think there's a lot at stake here um, because I think they could absolutely talk themselves into getting that fight because also we've seen Colby Covington – repeatedly shoot himself in the foot over his whole career. So it's entirely possible that even if he did want the Hamza fight, he would out negotiate himself of it. And the winner of this fight's right there to get the, get the opportunity. So I think there's a lot at stake, frankly. Damon, I mean, I wonder, do you, do you agree? Like, is there any chance a, that the winner of this fight on Saturday will fight for a title next or B that they could actually end up being that next guy for Hamza Shemaev that pushes him over the edge? I mean, there's always an outside chance the winner gets a title shot only because Leon Edwards has the worst luck of any fighter in the history of the sport over the last couple of years. So there's a chance that, you know, maybe he gets injured and, you know, something weird happens and they, you know, Hamzat can't fight and they throw in, you know, a Luke to, you know, to, you know, to do something like that. So there's a chance. I mean, it's not a big chance, but there's a chance. But I agree with Jed in terms of the magnitude of this fight because, you know, everyone's talking about Colby and Shemaev. I don't disagree. I don't know that we're going to see that fight. I mean, sure, the UFC wants to make it, but the UFC wanted to make, you know, Colby and uh, and and uh, Woodley, you know, back in the day, and that fight fell apart. And then it ended up being Woodley and Usman and all that things happened. So there's no guarantee we're going to see Hamzat and Colby. Colby has done, you know, called out everybody but Hamzat. So the fact that that fight's proposed, great. Happening? Don't know. So, and, and, you know, listen, don't forget, you know, Bilal Muhammad was offered Hamza Chemaev for the headliner at UFC London, accepted it, fight didn't come together, they ended up switching things up, giving him Gilbert Burns, and he got Vicente Luque. Vicente Luque was also in that conversation. I talked to Vicente, 100% he would have fought Hamza, jumped at the chance to fight Hamza, still would fight Hamza because he won't fight Gilbert Burns. Vicente will not fight Gilbert Burns under any circumstances, so... I agree. The winner of this fight could potentially get a title shot. Again, that's a very slim chance. But getting Hamzat, I'd say there's actually a pretty strong chance that happens, and that is the quickest path to a title right now is to go through Hamzat, and that's a big fight for either one of these guys. I mean, Jose, man, I, I think a lot of people don't realize or, for, or forget or, or anything like that, like that this is actually a rematch. Like we've seen this mm-hmm. fight before. It was, it was just like what, I think mm-hmm. five years ago, six years ago at this point. It was a, UFC, it was a bit ago. You, yeah. UFC 205, if I'm not wrong, you have Vicente yep. Luque out there. He won in 79 seconds. 
not a lot you can glean from that quick knockout. I mean, there's a lot you can glean. <laughs> Maybe, though. I feel like they're both very different fighters, or at least Bilal is to a certain extent at this point. Six years is a long time. Who, who do you think has more to lose here on Saturday, Jose? Ooh, I would say it's a good question. I would say in the eyes of the fans and probably the UFC, Bilal would have the most to lose solely because, as Damon said, I I wouldn't put him number two most exciting, but I'm not going to argue. Like I think we can all agree Justin Cage is the most exciting fighter on planet Earth, maybe ever. Uh, Vicente Luque is clearly top five, so – we can all agree we don't care who Vicente Luque fights. We just want to see that man break break on somebody. Bilal Muhammad, how many stoppage wins does he have in like since that loss to Vicente Luque? What does he have one one other loss? I know he lost to Jeff Neal, but other than that, I can't really think of any. I know he had the weird uh, no eye con no contest because he got stabbed in the eye by Leon Edwards. What like ten seconds since? But other than that, he doesn't have a ton of stoppage wins. He's just kind of beating you up over three rounds, like he did, you know, to Stephen Thompson, the Diego Limas, the Damian Mayas. They're not. There's not a lot of memorable singular moments in those fights. He's not going to fight of the year with Brian Barberena and then bowing to the crowd. And yeah, one stop is win. So. A loss probably hurts him just in the eyes of the UFC because he's winning and it's not overly exciting. And if he loses, he'll probably be on the receiving end of something really violent a la Vicente Luque. So I'm going to say it's Blah Muhammad. But again, he's top, what, top six welterweights in the world. So at worst, he's top 10, which is still not bad. Obviously, he could still rebound from this. But in the immediate future, Blah Muhammad probably has more to lose solely because of his fighting style. I just have to acknowledge the elephant in the room here. The chat's going wild for the fresh shaven look, this clean baby oh, face look. People don't know how to people don't know how to accept yeah. this right now. I have a I have a beautiful face. I'm sorry, I didn't want to hide it behind a beard anymore. You guys can discuss in the comments. Maybe that can be a between the links topic. <laughs> Jose Younger says Callum Lambert. I love it. Uh, Jed, man, when you look at these two guys in terms of just styles and matchups, right? They're in the same type of spot just in terms of this division. But when you look at Vicente Luque, Bilal Muhammad, which of them is more likely, do you feel like, to break into that top three that we currently have going, a Kamaru, Colby, Hamzat, and actually like be competitive, like actually be somebody that can make a difference in there? Luque. I think that's obvious, right? Like, look, It doesn't sound like you're very high on Bilal. I'm not going to lie. I love him. Great fighter. He is Neil Magny 2.0. He is just going to be Neil Magny when Neil Magny retires. like, Or they're just going to concurrently be the Neil Magny guy who's really well-skilled, competitive, tough out for anybody, never going to fight for a title, and that's okay. Most people don't end up fighting for titles and can still make a quality career out of being one of the 10 best people in the world at their profession. That is a thing that we do not celebrate enough in this sport, frankly. Bilal Muhammad is one of those, but he is – I don't – I would be very surprised if he ever fought for UFC belt. I think winning against Luke is paramount to him doing that because otherwise I, I don't see him. I think a loss here sets him back probably further than Luke just because Luke is so dynamic and so exciting that a couple of wins can get him in the conversation. Whereas a loss here really puts Bilal like five wins back because he wins them all by quality decision. So you know, I, I think Luke is the more dynamic, more exciting, more interesting fighter. Uh, I think he's the better fighter. I think he has much better offense. Uh, and those are the things that usually coincide with somebody making a real run towards the top three, towards a title fight, that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to denigrate Bilal Muhammad, but I, to me, it's just 
he is not some rising prospect who we don't know the things about. Well, he's 33 years old. Like we know the cake is baked. We know what kind of a fighter he is. And that fighter is damn good, but it's pretty clearly limited. And, you know, I, I think this is probably around where he's capped as far as his upward mobility is. I mean, David, I want to follow up with what you just said. I mean, I mean, when you look at Vicente Luque, I've seen some chatter about this all week just on social media and as people converse about these fights. Is is Vicente Luque like a low-key, very sneaky, good matchup, do you think, for some of these top guys in this division, an Usman, uh, Shamayev? Like, he doesn't really get thrown into that conversation a lot because he is just so quiet outside of the ring. But do you feel like the way he kind of like matches up with these guys actually would actually be better than some of the other matchups that were thrown around within these top three? I mean, Luke is going to be fun no matter who he fights. I mean, that's kind of his style. He goes out there and has exciting fights with everybody. And, you know, I mean, can you imagine Vicente Luque and Hamza Chamaya for as long as that fight would last? I mean, it would just be like two tornadoes colliding in, in the octagon. I mean, who wouldn't want to see that, you know? And I'm not saying that Vicente is going to go out there and starch you know, Kamar Usman, I don't think anyone's going to search Kamar Usman, but I mean, come on. Like, Vicente Luque is just an exciting guy. He, he, you know, he goes in there and has a war with Mike Perry. He goes in there and has a war with Nico Price. He goes in there and has a war with, with Michael Chiesa. And I like Michael Chiesa very much, but Michael Chiesa very much in a lot of ways, kind of like Bilal Muhammad. He's not a guy who typically goes out there and, you know, puts on these blistering performances and gets these big finishes. The whatever four minutes that fight lasted was awesome because Vicente Luque makes every fight awesome. So uh the seal I don't I don't know what the ceiling is on Vicente because he is so freaking dangerous. I mean, you make one wrong move, he will knock you out, he will snatch you in a darsh choke, he will put you away. So to say that there's a ceiling on him right now is tough because you know, we just haven't seen him in a lot of those opportunities. Yes, he does have the loss to, you know, Wonder Boy. He does have the loss to Leon Edwards early in his career. But, again, uh, anytime he's in there, it's going to be exciting. And and you can't say with 100% certainty that if, you know, Usman ducked his head the wrong way or Hamzat, you know, goes for a takedown and doesn't get it or they're just out there swinging, trading punches and he can't beat anybody in that top five. I just refuse to believe that. Jose, what do you? I mean, when you look at this now, let's make some picks because that's what we do here on this show. Who who are you liking this? Because I mean, this is a fun matchup. I think I think we've sort of laid out the case of why it matters in this division. Who do you like? The main event, uh, Vicente Luque. I think how many? Who's he lost to? Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is about to fight for the UFC welterweight title. We're gonna. I'm glad we all finally stopped pretending that Hamza Shamai was gonna skip the queue. I was getting real agitated over that conversation. Uh, and then Stephen Thompson, when he lost to him in Madison Square Garden, that was like peak Stephen Thompson, or like right at the end of peak Stephen Thompson before like you know Bilal Muhammad and everyone has kind of kind of been piecing him up lately so he's only losing to the best of the best i think Bilal muhammad as just said is really damn good but he's just neil magny i think Vicente luke beats neil magny right now too so i just think Vicente luke has more tools he's more violent he's more exciting he's, i'm not gonna say his cardio is better because Bilal muhammad has said that he can just go for rounds and rounds and rounds and i haven't seen that so i'm not going to comment on it so i'm just gonna i just think Vicente luke is just is better uh, Cross the board and more violent, and Bala Muhammad is fantastic. He's just not on Vicente Luque's level right now. Fantastic analyst, though. I really, really like him on the ESPN desk. I think he's one of the more underrated color, not color commentators, but like analysts when they kick it to him. So, uh, great guy, great fighter, great analyst. I just think Vicente Luque is better right now in the year of our Lord, 2022. 
totally agree with you on the on the analyst thing. Like he, I don't feel like he gets mentioned enough uh, in regards to when we talk about the the really great UFC analysts. But he's actually like surprisingly good at, it, and he hasn't really done that many had that many reps at it yet. So he seems like he could have a future there. Jed, I mean, your pick is the only way Bilal gets this done. Is this wrestling? Is that kind of what we're looking at? Yeah, he's gonna have to do it for twenty five if he wants it. And um, th- there's an avenue. I-, I just don't think it's consistent. I mean, it just is what it is. Like. Like to, to Damon's earlier point, like I don't think Vicente Luque would go out there and, and clobber Kamar Usman, but it's possible. Like it wouldn't shock me if they fought and he managed to be the guy who did the violent thing and won. I think Bilal Muhammad could fight Kamar Usman a hundred times, he would lose a hundred times. Like that's just how that's just how this fight and how how their styles work. Muhammad has to fight one way and he has to be really perfect for most of it and at any point in time luke can just do a hyper violent thing and and blow his blow his face off like it's just all he can do so uh i think he could win either a decision or he could just knock him out in the first round again or he could submit him all of the world exists for Vicente luke here whereas muhammad has to get takedowns and he has to sit on luke for 25 minutes so give me luke by probably early ko Damon, you making it three for three? Yeah, I like Luke to win. I mean, I just have a hard time picking against him. He has the win already, and it's just again, you're it's it's a matter of time with Luke. You're playing with dynamite for you know. I know this is five rounds, but it's just playing with dynamite where he's eventually going to catch you. And uh, you know, he has he has so many great finishes. It's just hard to bet against him. I I, I agree with everything Jed said about Bilal. I think Bilal is an incredible fighter. Also, to the analyst point, let me give him a shout out. A frequent co-host on Fighter versus Writer as well. Uh, he's broken down some fights with me on the show, and he's a uh, phenomenal, phenomenal at that job. And uh, you know what? And the thing is, it kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I think Bilal is really good, and I think there are guys that that he you know got. I, I mean, I know the fight ended in a weird way, but I don't know that I'd pick against him in a rematch against Leon Edwards, and, and I mean that wow. sincerely. Like I don't Whoa. know that he wouldn't beat Leon Edwards. Uh, okay, Leon. And also to that point, I like Leon Edwards. Let me make this clear: I like Leon Edwards. Either Vicente Luque or Bilal Muhammad after Saturday night will have a more convincing win on their record than Leon Edwards has right now because Leon Edwards has not fought anyone and beat anyone in the current top 10 in the welterweight division. None. Nobody. Zero. So it kind of breaks my heart that Bilal never got that fight back because I think Bilal could beat him. I really do. But it's just Vicente, I think, is just on another level right now. Will Vicente beat Colby? Will he beat, you know, Hamzad? I don't know, but he has a chance. So, yeah, I like Vicente to get it done here and, uh, you know, in typical Vicente violent fashion. So I mean, clear. I hate – no, go so for it, clear. One, one, I want to apologize because I think Damon has been having to fight with me too much and he has absorbed my hate for Leon Edwards because I don't like Leon Edwards. <laughs> I've been really honest about it. Uh, but I will give the man his due. He he has beaten a man in the current top of the welterweight rankings. He He's beat, beaten Vicente Luque. <laughs> So that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, he does have that win, and you can't take it away. That's from true. Him. I would he did also have that. I've forgotten. Yeah, I would pick him to beat Bilal in a rematch because I thought that that first fight looked very clear how the trajectory was going. But that's a whole different thing. But I'm glad that other people are getting on the Leon Edwards. Let's bag on him because it's a great train. <laughs> a lot of opportunity for success in the future with that train. Oh man, y'all gonna be so sad when Leon pulls the upset of the century off on Kamar Usman. I, I will be stunned. <laughs> I won't You're gonna have a it. lot of crow to eat. You're gonna have a lot of crow to eat. I'll I'll do it. I'll eat it. I will eat my hat. 
You say that a lot. I haven't seen a lot of hat eaten, but I feel like you've had a couple ways you should have eaten your hat I don't, right now already. I'm gonna let me let me add something to this. I don't think I've ever seen Jed wear a hat, period. So do you even own this, hats? It, yeah, I, don't, I, I so mostly wear hats outside of us doing filming stuff. You guys want me to start wearing known, hats? I will wear hats. Known, known, known liar, Jed Mishu makes up he owns hats more at 12. Next question. I am a known liar. <laughs> That's also true. Uh, well, I, I hate to make it unanimous across the board because we have four people here and four for four is a little boring. But I mean, Jose, you know, I've been on the Vicente Luque train for years at this point. I can't hop off now. The boy's finally cresting. Like people are finally paying attention. Like this is his moment. This is the the one window he's going to get, seemingly, where he has a chance to slip into this title picture. Uh, I think he's going to get it done just in the way you guys said. So let us move on. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And let's jump over now to Bellator because as we said at the top, best card of the week, probably has the best fights of the week too, unless you're Damon uh, and you disagree with that. But just in general, let's talk about AJ McKee versus Patricio Pitbull, Pitbull too. Because when we saw this fight last summer and we saw AJ look what looked to be a star-making performance against Pitbull, it felt like this was the biggest layup for Bellator in the in a long, long time, right? Like, here's this guy, homegrown star. You've literally built him from the ground up. He matures into just this beast of a champion who knocks off the most decorated fighter in your promotions history, does it easy, like it was nothing. In the perfect world, you give that man everything he wants, right? You give him the daytime talk show circuit. You put him in front of every microphone that'll have him. You book the rematch with Pitbull at lightweight for the, for the lightweight title, try to make this guy a two-division champion. And finally, you have someone who the fans are kind of actually in- invested in, in a way that maybe they haven't been since like the Alvarez Chandler days for Bellator. Instead, we get AJ McKee sitting around for basically like a year. We didn't hear from him pretty much at all this entire time. All that momentum feels like it's completely gone. Patricio doesn't even have the lightweight belt anymore. And somehow we ended up running the same fight back at 145 a year later. So Jose, I throw it to you. I mean, w- what do you think? about the way Bellator has handled this saga of AJ McKee since last July. And are you satisfied where, where, with where we've ended up now with this fight? 
Nope, it's horrible. They've done a terrible job of promoting AJ McKee as a whole. The only thing they did well was they stuck him on the broadcast for one of the Jake Paul fights, which we all agreed was the move to make, especially because it was show you know Showtime uh, working hand in hand with all that. AJ McKee, what I I, after, I remember doing the post show after this, and at the time, Alex Savas, our coworker, someone asked asked her because you know she. She works in a lot of the non-MMA world. She has a lot of fans that aren't in the MMA world. They had still had zero idea who AJ McKee was after his quote-unquote star-making performance. And I've used this analogy a few times. Sean, I don't think you've ever been on a show where I've brought this up. Uh, Patty Pimblett uh, had a million Instagram followers. He was 0-0, maybe 1-0 in the UFC. Got his Instagram taken away. Now he's back, I think, at 800,000 Instagram followers. And he has a million dollar deal, and he got his teammate a million dollar deal. AJ McKee has a little over a hundred thousand Instagram subscribers. And the same week that Patty Pimblett signed a seven figure deal with Barstool, AJ McKee had a hot dog named after him. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing, guys? Like, come on, bro. AJ McKee could be the best featherweight on planet Earth, and it doesn't help. Like, and everyone's saying, like, oh, why is he talking about the UFC? Why is he saying it's inevitable? Why is he tweeting about Alex Volkanovski? Well, give him a reason to want to stick around. Like, they're not giving. He he said it best. He just won a million dollars. Well, you want him to take a seventy five percent pay cut for a rematch? Come on, dog. Give him everything he wants and give him a reason to actually promote your product by giving him what we like. It's Tom. It's tomfoolery. That's what it is. I'm not. It's 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 unfortunate. And no, I'm glad. I'm I'm happy the fight is happening. I would have liked it a lightweight for a second belt, like you said. But again, Bellator doesn't want to give us what we want, so now it's running running it back in featherweight, which is just the second best fight I wanted to see AJ McKee have. And honestly, I want to see AJ McKee fight Aaron Pico. Still, and that's not even going to happen. Like, there's a bunch of fights I want to see AJ McKee have that aren't going to happen, and it just sucks. Uh, I don't care what promotion he's in. I'm not into one. Of, I'm not one of these guys that's like, oh, UFC versus Bellator. I just want to see that man fight fun fights uh, and get paid very, very high, highly to do it. So no, in in short, no, I am not happy with Bellator's nonsense and lack of promotion. Sheesh, go off, Jose. I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, Jed, man, we have AJ out here now. I mean, he, Jose alluded to a little bit like he, AJ in the lead up to this promotion, essentially. He's out here on the MMA Hour. Just kind of openly flirting with the UFC, saying like UFC belts inevitable. <laughs> I, I need I need like a million dollars per fight, and that's gonna double every time you don't give it to me. All of this on a scale of one to ten. How do you feel like Bellator has handled this last year with AJ? And do you feel like just a little bit, just maybe like a little bit, conspiracy Sean out here, just a tiny bit, that they are not promoting this fight to the degree that they should because they are sort of worried about where this is going with AJ. So before I get into that, uh, I don't want to say anything because you remember in old school when Will Ferrell makes that impassioned speech and the Raging Cajun is like, we have no response. It was perfect. That's me to Jose. He was he was perfect. <laughs> Everything was absolutely spot on. And we really could just end here. But if you're going to make me join you with the conspiracy hat, I will I will join you readily because that's absolutely a thing that they're doing. All I would say almost 100%. Maybe not in that specific terminology, but I think my interpretation of all of this is, one, I fundamentally believe Bellator stopped caring about their own product. Um, maybe I'm wrong and prove it to me by promoting it worth a damn, but until you do, I'm just going to continue to say you guys just don't care. 
and that's okay. A lot of people don't care about their jobs and they just do them because, you know, paycheck's paycheck. I'm not here to knock you. Get paid kings uh, and queens. But for me, they looked at the biggest fight of history in history and their promotional history. That was what they sold this as. And I don't know what they did from a number standpoint. But I remember the numbers from our end not being all that spectacular. And Jose alluded to it with Alex Savas and uh, kind of the outside perspective. I think they looked at this thing that they thought was going to be a thing and they realized, oh, Adrian McKee's actually not a star. Like he has the makings of it, but he's not Conor McGregor, Patty Pimblett. He's not that. And so, all right, we're just going to roll with it. And so I think they are not investing in him because I think that they have already made the mental calculus that they cannot keep him. They currently have him under contract because that's how championship clauses work. But the my reading of his experience on the MMA hour is that dude is gone. The moment it is possible for him to leave, he is leaving. Say what you will about the million dollars. I don't think – I think that's like me saying you guys pay me $10 million and I'll do this. Like it, I could say a billion. It doesn't matter. They're not going to do it. And he's just gone and they know it. And so they're not going to get too juiced up in, in promoting him because they know he's gone. They know that even if they tried to promote him, it's probably not going to yield tremendous results for him. And so they're just kind of spinning their wheels because, look, I caught a lot of trash for this earlier this year when I wrote about it. AJ McKee is less of a star than Kayla Harrison, and they would not make an offer that Kayla Harrison could not refuse or that PFL couldn't match. So if they aren't going to unload the Brink truck for her, they aren't doing it for him either. So he's gone. He's on a timeline. And so I think your conspiracy is correct. They, they're they just not going to invest in a in a product that is going to leave them in the near future. Damon, I'm interested to hear your thoughts here because you were on the AJ McKee train very early. Like I have been calling him the best non-UFC fighter in the world this week. But if you look at our MMA Fighting Global rankings, like you were on AJ McKee way before I think a lot of us and and really they're the only rankings in MMA that matter if we're being honest uh he he on those rankings, rankings. <laughs> <laughs> he on those rankings right now is the top male pound for pound fighter outside of the UFC so there is something to there so I wonder Damon you've spoken with AJ ahead of this fight you spoke with him a couple times where do you feel like his head is at like what what do you, what sense do you get from him in in just where is all this headed well, let me tell you, it's weird because when I spoke to AJ, it was about, it was right after the fight got announced. So it was about six weeks ago, five, six weeks ago. And at that time, he sounded pretty solid about like he was, it sounded pretty confirmed that he was going to go back to Bellator. He seemed pretty resigned in that fact. Although he, even back then he said, you know, I feel like one day I'm going to be a UFC champion. Okay, that's great. Six weeks later, when he talks to Ariel on the MMA hour, he's more or less basically out the door. You know, he's saying, uh, you know, I want a million dollars per fight. So somewhere in the negotiation, <laughs> something went bad or something went sour to where to the point where he went from, he was saying, bring guys to me, bring guys to Showtime. I want to fight them over here. I want to you know, go and do pay-per-view, blah, 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 to pay me a million dollars or I'm leaving for the UFC. So something had to happen in negotiation where either he made a demand and Bellator turned him down, or something happened. Something had to have happened to change that relationship in that six-week period. My guess is, in the middle of negotiations, he went too high, they went too low, there was no middle ground, and now here's where we're at. Um, I think AJ could be the best featherweight in the world. I'm that high on this kid. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's got all the tools. 
Bellator has royally screwed up promoting him. There's no doubt about that. Again, let me echo what Jed said. Everything that Jose said was 110% correct. I couldn't say it any better, so I'm not going to try. That being said, um, AJ is an incredibly talented kid. The only thing, the only thing that worries me here about this whole scenario is AJ is setting himself up for either a big moment to go to the UFC and prove himself, which by the way, I love you, AJ. Think you're a star in the making. Think you might be the best fighter in the world, but you might want to lower your expectations when you sit down to negotiate with Hunter Campbell in the UFC because if they <laughs> offer you 100K and 100K, you'll be lucky. That being said, facts, AJ facts. is one one bad move away from his stock dropping to, I won't say zero, not zero, but stock dropping dramatically because if he goes out and gets starched by Pitbull, now I don't think he will. I think he's going to win. I know we're going to get to picks, but I think you know, AJ wins, but Pitbull's capable of doing that. Pitbull is capable. Of, he did it to Michael Chandler. He's done it to a lot of people. He goes out there and gets starched. He becomes a free agent you know, right away because the championship clause is gone, but he also has zero leverage at that point. And the 100K, 100K offer I just kind of joked about probably drops like, here's your Patty Pimblett contract. We're going to make it 24 and 24. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, So AJ's got a lot of pressure because he's already basically saying, I'm going to go to the UFC. But if he loses, where's his power to actually demand anything at that point? I mean, will the UFC pick him up? Sure, they probably will. But, you know, he's now at this point there, you know, he's going to be lucky to draw. Yeah, they're going to say, hey, Dan Hooker, we got to fight for you. His name's AJ McKee. He's coming over from Bellator. They're not going to throw him into a title fight at that point, much less a number one contenders fight. So a lot of pressure on AJ this weekend. Tremendous points. Tremendous points there, Damon. You are 100% right. And I think that's something that's kind of go flying under the radar a little bit going into this weekend. Jose, I mean, make the pick, man. I mean, AJ McKee, more than a three to one favorite on over Patricio on some sports books. We've already seen him run through this guy once. He's, he's ice cold. He says he's going to let Pitbull get to the second round this time. I, I love that line. Uh, are people sleeping here on Patricio? Like wh- where are you, how do yeah. you see this playing out? I, it's one of those, the first fight was so quick and AJ was so dominant. Like, let's not forget, the, the man essentially knocked out and submitted Patricio Pitbull in the same round. So he basically is already 2-0 and against the greatest Bellator fighter of all time. At the same time, though, Patricio Pitbull is still a top 10 featherweight in the world. He is an undersized featherweight. I've been seeing for years. He could have been the first triple uh, champion with uh, if he dropped down a bantamweight, I think. But... I think he is being severely overlooked. I think he is absolutely a spectacular fighter. I think he would give a lot of fighters in the UFC, PFL, one, any any promotion problems. I just think AJ McKee is the second, maybe third best featherweight. I'm going to put in third best featherweight in the world behind Volkanovski and Max Holloway. Uh, I want to see those three fight at some point. Whether I don't care what promotion they're in. I just want to see them fight. I think AJ McKee is in his physical prime. He's never really had any severe – he's had one severe injury that he's actually got to completely recover from. I think the pandemic – he was the only one that the pandemic benefited because, remember, didn't he hurt his knee and then his fight got canceled? He got like a year and a half of like – rehab to to recover before his fight against pitbull or who was it who did he beat when he came back i can't even remember that's how long ago that fight was so but yeah aj mckee is the man i think he's the third best fellow in the world and i just think he has more tools to win and i think he's gonna go three and oh three and oh against patricio pitbull 
Jed, I mean, what do you think here? Are you in agreement with Jose? Right now, it seems like this the narrative that that's sort of developing here is AJ McKee, future two-division champion. He's kind of trying to end the the Pitbull legacy is more or less what he said this week. Go back up to 155 and get that second belt from the Pitbull brothers. Uh, the other Pitbull brother, I should say. Who are you picking this weekend? Do you feel like that's sort of the road here that AJ's looking at? I think that's the road. I am I am picking AJ. I think I think the odds are close to right maybe you could even go up a little bit more because it's three to one I, if they fought four times i would pick aj to probably win all four of them um so you know there's that there's one thing there's one minor caveat that probably won't happen but i just want to put it out there because it would be the best thing that's happened in mma all year Ooh, because i believe okay. i believe that i'm correct in saying that aj mckee is currently has fought out his existing contract and is currently beholden only to the champion's cause in Bellator. If I'm wrong, please correct me, but I believe that's right. And if so, a loss here would immediately let him free of this to pursue other endeavors. I'm listening. so you can lose in a lot of ways in MMA. You can go get knocked out and lose, or you can walk into the cage and as soon as the fight starts – bend over and tap three times on the mat. And that is a concession and a loss, which would, by definition, rid, remove the belt from him and free him up to pursue potentially more lucrative ventures elsewhere. Probably won't happen, but I've said for a long time, Nate should do that in the UFC so he can go box Jake Paul. Or just whoever they say, fight, I will fight him. I'll fight Francis Ngannou. Sweet. One, two, three. I am gone. It would be the most gangster thing in the world. It would be Funny as all hell, and I hope, 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 hope that that's what happens tomorrow night. It would be my favorite thing. AJ McKee's got that O on his record, man. That O means too much to him. He's not going to do something like that. Also, I feel like that fits John much Jones more with the Diaz brand. Record. Does anyone care about that? No. And oh, yeah. Oh. It. Whoa, whoa, whoa. People, if John Jones was undefeated, the way that he was would have been able to be marketed would have been so vastly different. Like, you know that's true. It's silly. And if, But if Alexander Volkanovsky was 25 and 0 right now rather than fought some random dude at welterweight a long time ago, like, I, this is all very different. Listen, I think the Volkanovsky one is true, but the Volkanovsky was like a real loss even though it's a welterweight. If AJ's loss, loss is him tapping out to avoid a contract dispute – for from some draconian laws about how contracts work for champions, I think it's totally fine, and it would be the most gangster thing. Frankly, I think that would actually do worlds to get him over more and more well-known, because if he does that, that's for sure the only thing we're talking about next week. Well, I am nothing if not an agent of chaos, so I'm here for any and all chaos. Damon, yes. make the pick. What do you think of this crazy conspiracy Jed's throwing out? Just... Let's throw it to you. I'll say this. I, I you know, it's funny, and I, I've never said it vocally, but I'll say it now, Jed. I, I've actually had that theory for a long time. Like, why not just walk in, tap the canvas, walk away? You're done. And Nate Diaz, I agree. That's probably what Nate Diaz should do. He probably should just say, "Yeah, give me Hamzat. Walk in, Nate tap the canvas, leave." Sure, do it. Uh, the only it's reason I don't think AJ. <laughs> The only reason I don't think AJ will do it, though, is because I do know that undefeated record means a lot to him. You know, he said it numerous times to me. He said it to a lot of people. He wants to retire undefeated. I know, you know, the chances of that happening are pretty slim. We have a, a very long list of fighters who all say they want to retire undefeated, and they never do. Ronda Rousey wanted to do it. There's a lot of people who say they want to do it, and they don't do it. But 
So I think that does mean something to him, and I don't think he would ever want to lay down for Pitbull. Like, I know that's not the way maybe it would be portrayed, but I just don't think he would ever do that. So I don't think he will. That being said, I think he wins. Um, I don't know if it'll be as quickly as last time, but I think it will be convincing, whether it's a submission or another knockout. I think he does win. I think he's just got a lot of size, a lot of reach, a lot of power. Uh, I like Pitbull, and I agree with Jose, too. Pitbull could be a guy who would maybe even be better suited for bantamweight. Um, but I think he wins this fight, and then I think he goes up. He beats his brother. And, again, I don't know how much it, this is going to continue to extend his contract, but the Pitbull family is going to really, really, really not like the name A.J. McKee coming soon uh, because I feel like he is going to be a two-division champion probably. Well, based on Bellator timing, he'll be the Bellator two-division champion by, like, 2025, by the way they schedule him. But, in theory, he could be the two-division champion before the end of the year. If he's still fighting in Bellator in 2025, we should all riot. That'll just be awful. <laughs> I'm just saying, based on Bellator's scheduling, they'll probably wait like another year and a half to give him his next fight. It's possible. It's possible, and we should all be furious by it. I'm making unanimous once again. I mean, I think AJ McKee is just one of the top three featherweights in the world. Like, I think you could have Volkanovski, Holloway, and him in some order with Volk as as the number one, but the other two are interchangeable almost at this point. Like, I, I, I would be fascinated to see how he'd stack up against those guys, and it's it's unfortunate that we can't see that yet, but it does feel like. It's kind of going to come soon, whether it's at 45 or 55. So we'll see. But I do think this is going to be another AJ McKee weekend. Let's move on and let's hit down this co-main event because Corey Anderson, Vadim Nemkov. Jose, you you let off the top with this. You mentioned it. Light heavyweight tournament finals, $1 million on the line, but also kind of low-key stakes for someone having a, a potential claim to being the number one light heavyweight in the world with the way all this mm-hmm. has played out. Like Corey Anderson's already... Frankly, like beaten Glover share pretty handily on the short notice mm-hmm. not too long ago. So that's out there. Throw it to you straight. I mean, are you buying what Bellator's selling here? Did you like do you like where we ended up with this whole lightweight heavyweight tournament? Yeah, I think Corey Anderson created a lot of buzz when he hopped over from the UFC uh, to Bellator. He was coming off that KO loss to Jan Blachowicz. And I think we can all agree that he probably deserved the title fight before that after he beat Johnny Walker, Madison Square Garden. And then they, I think he kind of ruffled the, the UFC feathers a lot. So they didn't give it to him. They gave him Jan. He got knocked out. Um, and then he made a lot of he, – he's created a lot of – storylines and narrative when he jumped over from the UFC to Bellator because he was still one of those top five light heavyweights in the world. And if he had won maybe one or two more, he's probably fighting for the light heavyweight championship over there. But he made a lot of noise, and then he ent- he, he beats Melvin Manhoof, who Melvin Manhoof is like a legitimate, terrifying human being in or outside of the cage. And then he, he, he knocks out the guy that I can't pronounce – I'm really, I'm very sorry. You got a lot of letters that don't really ever appear next to each other in an American dictionary. He was kind of like, I think Corey Anderson did a good job selling that fight because no one knew who he was, who he was, and he had a really impressive record. So he's like, I'm taking this fight. I have a high chance of losing, and no one has heard of this guy. Still took the fight, and then he beats Ryan Bader in less than a minute in Phoenix, Ryan Bader's hometown. So, uh, and then as I said, Vadim Nemkov is basically the heir apparent to uh, Fedor Mel- Fedor Malineko, just a horrifying human being with dynamite in his hands. Uh, it says maybe two, three words total in an interview, and we all just eat it up. So, I don't have a problem with how this ended, especially because Corey and Vadim are just so polar opposite in their personalities and their fighting styles. I'm very much looking forward to this fight. That being said. I think this is the hardest fight to pick of the three we're probably picking between the UFC main event, the the Bellator main event, and now the Bellator co-main event. This is really tough. 
I think this is like 51-49, and whenever that's the case, I saw it was the champion, so I, I'm, I'm going to pick Vadim Nemkov, who uh, after that could have a, a legitimate argument is the best 205-er in the world. It's interesting. I mean, Jose, you're not wrong. Like, we, you and I were both in Phoenix for that fight against mm-hmm. Ryan Bader between Corey Anderson. Knocked him out. Like, that's not even an outcome I think a lot of us expect is Corey Anderson just steamrolling him in, in less than a minute mm-hmm. or whatever it was. It really quieted that crowd, and they were very unhappy about it. Um, I mean, Jed, man, when you when you look at Corey Anderson, he's been very unstoppable looking in Bellator, right? Like, he's finishing everyone. He's cutting promos left and right. Are you a believer in this whatever 2.0 version we're getting from this guy? Or do you feel like this is the same Corey Anderson with just a few new lines in different competition? I don't know if I'm a believer. Uh, I, I have him ranked as the number three light heavyweight in the world. Um, so to some extent, I guess I am. Uh, we've, I think me and Damon have gotten into it about Corey Anderson and me thinking that he's not that good. Um, but the world is. Sometimes not being all that good still means you're better than everybody else in a division that is rancid. And that's kind of where we're at. Like, I think it's very possible Corey Anderson is the best light heavyweight in the world. Uh, It's really a shame that that's the case, but so it is. But the reality is if, if either of these men win this fight convincingly, I'm probably putting them as the top light heavyweight in the world. Uh, like I said, for me, it's number two versus number three. I do have Yuri Prohashka as the number one light heavyweight in the world uh, right now. But, you know, a, a convincing win either way will do do a lot for me as, as far as how it goes. If it's a nip-tuck battle, probably leave things the same. Uh, but, you know, I Corey has a clear win over the current UFC light heavyweight champion, which I don't think you can discount, even though it's four years ago. I, I would certainly favor him in a rematch there. Uh, and so I, I don't know. I don't know if that makes me a believer or not, as I guess. like I still think he's not all that good. I just think this division is terrible, and he's better than most, if not all of it, because it's really bad. And he is certainly improving. I do think his improvements are real. I don't know – I don't think I would take this Corey Anderson versus like prime or near prime Daniel Cormier like that. That that's kind of where I'm at. I, oh, I feel that's like an atrocious fighters. matchup. That's an atrocious yeah, I, matchup for Corey. And that's sort of it. Like I just feel that 205 is in a bit of a lull. I do think Corey Anderson is getting better, and he's probably better than I rag on him. But it's funnier for me to make fun of him. Uh, so he's better than I give him credit for. But I think that. He is close to where he was previously. The division is just bottomed out. And so, you know, cream rises in that situation. So I guess I'm a believer in context, but I'm still not like a fundamental believer that Corey Anderson is going to forge a new destiny for light heavyweights and be the standard by which all of them should aspire to be. Well, you had Jose picking Nemkov. Are you, who, are you, who are you siding with? I'm going to take Nimkov. Uh, I actually totally agree with him uh, in everything. I think it's a really close fight. I would be interested to see how if Nimkov can get any grappling going against Anderson, who's obviously a very good wrestler, how that plays will be a lot. I do think on the feet, Nimkov is maybe a little trickier, can kick a little more. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm really interested to see how it works out, frankly. I'm going to side with Nimkov, but I would not be at all surprised if Corey Anderson beats him. Damon, let's go to you, man. I mean, Jed laid it out perfectly. This light heavyweight division right now is is a little bonkers, if we're being honest. Like, it, it just kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. 
Uh, at this point, like the Glover being champion has really thrown a wrench into all of this for, for I think in terms of rankings and matchmaking and a lot of this. Who do you who do you side with on this? Who you pick? And and is there a chance for you that whoever wins this is going to be your number one light heavyweight in the world? Uh, yeah, I, listen, I'm siding with Corey Anderson. Uh, Jed's right. I have been the defender of Corey Anderson for quite a while now, and I continue to be so, and I will continue to be so. I I think he did get a bit of a raw deal in the UFC. Of course, he lost to Jan Blahovich. No shame in that. Jan's a you know Jan's the top guy and and a former champion in his own right. So no shame in losing that. And we can't forget. Granted, it was years ago, but he you know he did you know maul Jan in their first fight. Granted, again, it was like you know six years ago, but he did. Um, I think Corey got a lot of weight off his shoulders going to Bellator, getting away from kind of the toxicity of what he had in the UFC. You know, getting away from always constantly wanting to prove himself to Dana White and get the attention. And he just, he just never was a very highly respected fighter. And, you know, part of that's based on his own performances. He had some ugly losses in there and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think he's looked great lately. I, I, I do like Vadim, Vadim Nimkov a lot. I think he's an incredible fighter, but he's had some moments where I'm kind of like, Oh man. That's why it's been hard for me to, to continue to ride with Nimkov because there are those moments, you know, like Phil Davis a couple times. And I'm just like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I picked this guy to be the best guy in the world. He, at moments, he has flashes of it, but there's a pretty consistent line on Corey Anderson. You know, he's, he, and I think, and one thing that Jed said I do agree with is I think Corey's getting better. I think he's actually stronger now. He's got more knockout power. He's got he's established a pretty strong jab. We know his wrestling's there. His ground and pound is really solid. Um, and I just think he's got confidence right now. I think that's a big difference. I think he's got confidence. Uh, so I like Corey Anderson to win this fight. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a blowout. I don't know if he's going to go out there and knock out Vadim Nimkov. I could see him getting a late finish because Vadim has kind of been a guy who's had some, you know, I mean, he's gone five rounds, but I think Corey could push the pace on him and finish him late. Corey's got incredible cardio. He really does push the pace. You know, he just wore out Glover to share in their fight. Granted, that was three rounds, but he just wore him out in that fight. And I think he could do the same thing to Nimkov here, maybe get a fourth round finish. And if he wins this fight for at least the next six weeks, I think Corey Anderson is the best light heavyweight in the sport. And I say six weeks because if Yuri Prohoshka goes out and does what Yuri Prohoshka does and he finishes Glover Teixeira, he's probably going to be number one again. But if Glover wins, and I think Glover can win that fight, hard to argue that, you know, Corey did truck him pretty hard when they fought. So for six weeks, Corey Anderson could be the best light heavyweight in the sport. I think I'm right there with you. Honestly, like I, I, everything Jed you said earlier about Corey Anderson 2.0, whether this is real or not, and and sort of the weirdness of this division, all of that rings true for me. But I kind of, I, I do believe, I do believe somewhat. I mean, this when you hear him speak, it feels like a man who just feels a lot lighter in his life, right? Like he just feels like he doesn't have some sort of weird weight looming over him. He obviously had a very contentious relationship with the UFC, or, or just the way that he sort of viewed the UFC and how they what they were pushing him to do. Of you know, you can't be this wrestler, and he, you know him just talking about feeling like he wouldn't be able to progress in this division unless he became more exciting, and it really messed with his head and all of this. I'm a believer now with where Corey Anderson is in his life, his confidence, all of that. I think he can go out there and actually put on a really impressive performance and there will be a he he is Bellator's best chance. Let's say that. He is Bellator's best chance to have an actual claim to having the number one guy in a respective division in this sport. And who knows how long that'll last because I agree with you, Damon. I have Yuri Baraska number one right now at light heavyweight with the weird way this division is. If he goes out there and beats Clever Teixeira convincingly, I think I would keep him there absolutely. But Corey Anderson has a chance, man. And I, I'll side with you on that. That is my pick as well. Uh, Casey. 
Jump on, jump on that bandwagon. Jump on Let's that bandwagon. It, There's room. There's room. Let's do it, baby. All right. We have now hit the top three fights of the weekend. Casey, my man, let's get you in here. Let's hear from the peeps. Let's see what pe- what's on people's mind. And by the way, all, all, accepting any and all questions about the best <laughs> day NBA team in the whole world before we start this revenge tour 2022, baby. Let's go. The Boston Celtics? I, I would gladly take the Celtics, baby. We beat them in five or six. We taking we talking sprouts ball? All right. Sorry, All right. Mr. 3024. Some of yeah. us watch other sports. <laughs> All right, who we go? Who we go. Uh who we got here? Um okay, we already talked about that. Here we go. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, this one's coming from Matt Maggio, who says, what are the chances the winner of Luque versus Muhammad fights Shemaev, knowing Colby Covington is historically hard to book? We actually already addressed this a little bit, but uh, anybody else want to jump in here? I think I think there's a 50-50 yeah. shot, if we're being honest. I think it's going to be... Uh, I, I think Colby Covington is going to fight Kamara... Uh, Colby Covington is going to fight Hamzat Shemaev on ABC in July, probably in Texas. I That's just my that's assumption. That's certainly think, what they want. Do, do you think those two gentlemen will take a fight in a main event without any pay-per-view points? Or yep. would, it be, would it be uh, Shemayev, to me, Shemayev and Colby? I Colby think already Colby did it. Is. Colby well, already did it. it. Yeah, Colby will do it, but only after he makes a fool out of himself because that's his preferred method. He likes to corner Dana White at a blackjack table and then Dana punk him and then he'll do the thing that the UFC wants to do. Yeah, like Colby already did, so we went down this road with the Masvidal fight. He didn't get pay-per-view points. They're not going to give it to him now after he's already accepted it once. Did he just admit to that? Is that did the Masvidal? He he Colby, Colby said Covington it. said three times in three different press conferences on MMA Fighting's YouTube page that he's not getting press uh, pay-per-view points for against Masvidal. And Masvidal did. Yeah. Yeah. Masvidal Dennis. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Amen. Leverage. It's all about yeah. leverage in this game. Uh, We're using weird and Colby comments in this sentence. And Colby apparently doesn't have a whole lot. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, this one's coming from Suave Rico Suave. He says, with AJ McKee saying he's, quote, just not that impressed with Volkanovsky and stating if they were to fight, it's a bad matchup for Volk. If they could fight now, surely it's a bad matchup for AJ. And that's his question. What do you guys think? I don't care. It's not going to happen. Like, if, if the fight's not going to happen, I don't give it any mental. It, it doesn't take up space in my brain. Like, that fight is not going to happen until one of them signs the other one. Then And then I'll be like, oh, I also, he's wrong. Like, 
Volkanovski is the best featherweight in the world. He's really effing talented. It might be the best fighter in the world. So AJ just might be second. But again, it's not going to happen anytime soon. I just I, don't think it- I just hate when people say this like because like I wasn't impressed. Well, that's dumb. Like you're just that's just dumb. Like especially on something obvious. that was so obviously impressive, right? Like, yeah, it was just obviously hateful. like you don't you can just be honest. Like it's a lot cooler if you're just like, yeah, man, that's a hell of a performance. I still think I'm better than him, but like you don't have to try and no sell him when you're obviously full of garbage. Like that's. If you if he truly believes he what like truly wasn't impressed, then he's a moron, and that's all that there is to it. Like, what did you, did you hear his breakdown of it though? AJ's breakdown. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I thought when AJ broke it, when it was more than just a quote, I thought he went into a little bit more. I still don't like it what he said, like what he yeah. said, but um, that's it, the, the, I'm not impressed. Was kind of it's taken slightly out of context because he did elaborate a lot more. He said he left himself wide open for count or whatever. He said. But um, I think, he did, but he I did think, say AJ was a great fight. I mean, uh, Volkanovski did is a great, great fighter, though. I think yeah. Volkanovski has fought four straight fights, four differently, depending on his opponents, and he knew he was not yeah. in any sort of danger against the Korean zombie. So why not take yeah. those risks, knowing you're not going to get hurt? Like it's just yeah. like and that's why Volkanovski is so good. He's just a completely different person every time. And he wanted Max. to get a win. Like he wanted to get a a, yeah, I mean, a stoppage. Like. It's just kind of a garbage thing that I think is yeah. even if he, even if he explained better, it's just a dumb thing to say. You can just be like, "Yeah, I thought that there were some weaknesses, but he's still a great fighter." You don't have and, to say, "I'm not impressed." And let's just say he he didn't he didn't have the cute French accent like GSP had. It's just, it's <laughs> that's, just a, that's a great. It point. Just doesn't sound as cute. That's all. Awesome. You get some he's, leeway. Uh, with AJ's AJ's an incredibly talented dude, but I've never agreed with like tearing down an opponent for the sake of trying to make yourself look better or whatever. Like I don't understand that. Like if Volkanovski, I, I understand. Like I and AJ said this to me too. AJ thinks Max Holloway is the guy, and he wants to fight Max Holloway. That's his yeah. dream fight. I understand all that, but at the same time, like Volkanovski's the champion. He has two wins over Max Holloway. If you want to be the best guy in the world and say you're the best guy in the world, you're coming to the UFC. It goes through Volkanovski, so I really don't understand saying you're not impressed with him when he is impressive. We've all been impressed by Alexander Volkanovski. Say you're impressed and just say you'll beat him. That's better because you think he's an incredible fighter and I'll still beat him. That would be the better statement. I what do. I say I do think that AJ presents. I would not pick anyone over Volk. I've been I've been driving that train for as long as Volk's been around, basically. Uh, I think he's – I'll pick him in the three-match with, with Max very easily. I think AJ is at least the kind of guy who presents the problems that could upend Volk. Namely, he has hyper-violence in him, and I, I don't think you can win a long game against Volk, but I do think you can catch him. You know, he almost got caught by Ortega. That's that's the way to do it, and AJ can do that. I also think Volk is probably just going to have AJ figured out before they step in the cage. Uh but AJ should super not want Max. I think Max puts a hurting on him. Max has all sorts of problems for AJ as far as I'm concerned. I think that's why he wanted Max because I think he does feel Max is the toughest fight out there. But um, it's cool. Well, I think Max Holloway. Not going to matter anytime soon. Yeah, matter, yeah. yeah man. I but, think uh, Max Holloway's I, I, absorbed a thousand punches in his career. And if you're going to fight him, it should be probably in the next year or so. Because <laughs> like Yair Rodriguez almost beat him. I've been saying that yeah, for literally like, three yeah. years, and his chin st- is still impervious somehow. I sure. don't understand it. All right. Uh, 
All right. This one's coming from our good friend Scott McCrate. He says, if Pico wins, do we get to see him fight a top five opponent next? It's a good question. I mean, I, this Aaron Pico fight was supposed to be someone else, right? It was supposed to be Kennedy. Yeah, that would have been a really been, interesting it'd be a great test. Fight, yeah, it just that would have been a for, really great fight. It's a bummer uh, for Pico. It's yeah, it's just kind of one of those things. This is what we ended up with. What do you guys think? Probably. I mean, yes. I think I, I think I think you have the to because rankings. They're they're they've been they they abandoned the let's just throw him to the wolves plan and started kind of feeding him to like you know slowly and slowly feeding him to better and better guys. I'm still an Aaron Pico believer. I think he's still incredibly talented. I don't like I don't know if he'll ever be I don't know if he'll be champion because that's still gonna be a tough road to either go through like an AJ McKee or even a Patricia Pitbull. But um you know, I think getting like what was the fight we just saw? Was it Mads Burnell and uh and, and Adam that, that, I like, think maybe that, he gets like, I think I the rematch see. The rematch against Borge is the one. If that's it, yeah. right there. If Pico that's wins. the one. Yeah, something like that. Or, you know, some, something like that. Or, or, or Mads Burnell. Like Mads Burnell lost. Give him yeah. Mads Burnell and see how he does and, and then kind of go from there because Borge is supposed to get the title shot. Something like that. Like, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's doable. Yeah. Well, if you're, lo- if you're going off of Bellator rankings, Aaron Pico is top, is what, four? So yeah. there's only two names above him that aren't in the title fight on Saturday night, and that is Boris and Burnell. So it's those are the answers. Dude, do the do the boards thing for an interim belt because after McKee beat after AJ beats Patricio, he's going to go up to lightweight to get Patricio, yeah. and just do it for an interim. That seems yeah. like that's the way to go. Well, you know, you're following logic. We'll see if Bellator actually follows logic. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Fair None fair. of these promotions follow any logic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, let's take a couple more and then we'll get out of here. All right. Uh, uh, this one's coming from Jaden Kelly. He says, will Bilal Muhammad consistently be able to take down Vicente Luque? I mean, that's really the question of the fight, right? Like, that's kind of one of the major keys coming into this. What do you guys think? Probably not. Uh, I think the key word in that sentence is consistently. Will he be able to yeah. take him down once or twice? Probably, but... Great. If you take him down once, keep him down or continue to take him down. So consistently, no, but I do think he'll score at least maybe one or two. I wonder, too, whether he can actually hold him down because Vicente Luque yeah. is a scrambler, man. Like that dude is a shifty character. If you're getting that's, him down, he's usually getting right back up. That's the big thing to me is I don't – Bilal, if you look at the stats, stats, you know, questionable. Bilal's takedown like, efficiency is pretty low. And that's even coming off a – he took – Wonder Boy down like twenty times off of twenty one shots or yeah. something like that. Also, uh, not for, not low. for nothing. Vicente Luque has some pretty impressive defensive submissions. Yep. Like you shoot on him, he's probably going to be shooting for all kinds mm-hmm. of submissions immediately. Same. So good yep. luck with that. Putting that neck in danger. I yeah. I, I don't. I think Jose's right. Consistently is the problem, what? especially because Luque can get up. I mean, he can. He can he can get him down. Bilal's really good as a wrestler against the cage, and I think that's where his biggest advantage if he's trying to slow Vicente Luque down is push him against the cage and try oh, to work from there cage. because you oh, do not want you do not you do not want to be in open space with Vicente Luque. That's just a recipe for disaster. Uh, but as we've all said, Vicente's uh, you know he's Vicente's not afraid of the takedown because he has such an incredible submission game. You know, that's what, you know, when Tyron Woodley, you know, when he was just trading punches with Tyron Woodley and Tyron Woodley finally kind of dove on him, he just grabbed onto the Darce choke and, you know, did it that way. And he, and he did that to Michael Chiesa, too. Uh, that's, you know, you do it enough times, he'll catch you. And so can he do it? Sure. 
can he do it and stay out of danger? No, because I just think Vicente Luque is that good. Yeah. I think what well, Damon said, yeah, because Luque, we're, we're acting like this is the way to beat Luque. Yeah. Hold him down. It's a better way yeah. than trying to throw hands with the man. Well, <laughs> damn. Well, well, you from, trying to get Bilal well, killed? We already well, saw Bilal well, try and throw hands with him. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, from Bilal's, but his skill set, yeah. I just, it's it's a really tough tough path for victory for Bilal. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get one that, more. Last, last one, one, last and one, then we'll get out of here. There's other fights, gentlemen. There are. Oh, I mean, what Joseph Bozen says, what is the under the radar fight for each card? It's it's Huggy Boy. It's Chris Barnett. It's Beast Thank Boy. You. Like, what are we doing? How do we go an hour 15 without mentioning Chris it's Barnett? Shameful. That man it's is a gem, a joy, and we should all appreciate him. What do you guys think? How is he on the prelims? Dude, that's a great question. How is he on the prelims? Like the prelims that card. Dude, they put any heavyweight as the co-main event because for fight nights, they, and yet Barnett, what? Because Damon, they have no two offense people, to the guy, to the so, truth. lots of offense, lots of they, offense. Those guys should look, not be co-main. A lot of, a lot of offense. <laughs> Their co-main, the co-main event. Neither man has a wiki page, which again, you can just go make one of those. Like you do that yourself. And they are both have never fought in the UFC before. They are both contender series guys. Yeah, they're and they're two. I looked them up, so I wasn't. I wasn't sure how deep we were going to go in the preview show today, so I did some research and I looked them up because I seriously had never heard of either of them before about 20 minutes ago. And I looked them up and was like, they're con- they, neither one of them have fought the UFC. They're both contender series winners from this year? Or I was like, are you kidding me? So, yeah, I it's it's prospect, just beyond, beyond comprehension that Chris Barnett is not on the main card, much less not the co-main event, because this card... Beyond the main right. event is, like, I think it's dumpster fire is is an insult to the rest. Like that's an insult to dumpster hey. fires. I mean, hey, hey, even Anderson Silva and Brock Lesnar didn't have UFC fights and they debuted in the co-main event. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me. Let, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Let's let's throw let's throw Greg Hardy in there too. He debuted in the co-main uh, event as well. You can't like, argue with Jose. He went out in the co-main Jose, event. Wasn't he co-main Jose, you are. Jose, you are the encyclopedia. Do, without looking at the card right now, can you name both of the guys in the co-main event and actually pronounce their names right now? Can you do it? Because I know uh, I can. I wouldn't lie to you and I, say I could. I know Cal Bahalio only because he was like tweeting a bunch of stuff, and I can. I know his opponent has a bunch of letters <laughs> that aren't ever next to each other in the American Dictionary. Kadzio <laughs> Moradziev. There you go. There you there go. You Look at that. Also, let's just give a, a last second shout out to Drakkar Close finally coming yeah. coming in here. Is this his first fight oh, back since that? Yeah. Yep. Thank yeah. 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 It is. Answer Joey Bosa here because no the for the Bellator thing. Kyle Crutch from Michael Lombardo is like a pretty good fight that's buried on their yeah. prelims. So freaking the rest of Manier their Lazez is fighting on the main card of the UFC card too. Handsome boy Manier Lazez. I'm always excited when he throws down. There you go. Who's he fighting, Jose? Let's end it on that. The co-main event should have been Chris Barnett versus William Knight. That should have been the co-main event. Just have them just keep running into each other over and over. (laughs) I mean, that seems awesome. I don't know why we wouldn't do that. Just a couple of big boys slapping meat. Big boys (laughs) slapping meat is all you ever want. I said it on BTL. I'm going to say here. 
If you guys have anything else to do this weekend, family, do that and tune into MMAfighting.com because you don't need to watch this stuff. We'll do it for you. I mean, at least point the people watch back the, to watch the better card. Watch the better card. I said, I said tune into MMA. You know what? You know what? You know what? That's watch what you want to watch, people. Don't listen to Casey. Don't listen to Jed. Just do okay. what you want to want. Watch. Don't listen, don't listen to Jose and do what you want. Listen to us. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Before we're out, Jose, show us some Bobby Hill tattoo here. Oh, yeah. What's going on? Where we at? Wait, hold on. You know, nice little Akatsuki oh, Bobby funny. Hill for... And I tried that. to get it on my leg. I was like, can you put this on my leg? And my tattoo artist was like, no, nah, you want people to see this. We're putting it right out on the front. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So we slapped it on there for everyone to see for the rest of my life. Look at that. That's a primetime placement, man. You're rocking with King of the Hill for the rest of your life. Look at that. And, and you can't really see. But they even got the shining on red eyes in there, too. Shout out to James Tran. Full circle tattoo. There we go. This has been your early Thursday afternoon weekend preview. We appreciate you guys for joining us. My name is Sean Oshadi. We have Damon Martin over there. Jose Young's down there. Jed Mashu down there. And, of course, the undefeated E.K. Slayton, man in the boards. We'll be back Saturday night uh, after UFC. So join us then. We'll be hitting everything from the weekend. Bellator, UFC, hitting it all. Uh, It'll be good stuff. So, hey, stop by. Join us. Let's have some fun. In the meantime... Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a fun weekend. Enjoy the fights, and we'll see y'all later. Appreciate you rocking with us. Happy birthday, okay? It's not my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.